to God. Oh, my goodness. He's so good. Y'all can be seated if you can. Oh, glory to God. We have nowhere else to go tonight. This is it. We have nowhere else to go just to be here. I have been stuck on Daniel 12.4. Daniel 12.4 talks about, it's revelation in the end time, but you know what it says? It says that knowledge shall increase and become great. And we're in that time period where knowledge is going to increase and become great. I'm, isn't that cool? Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it. I don't open the word and I don't spend time in the Holy Spirit not expecting great revelation. You know, it's not just time served. <laughs> it can't be anymore. It can't be. We're, we're getting closer and closer to the end. And I believe what Daniel 12, 4 says, it says that revelation or knowledge will increase and become greater. So I want y'all to think about that. When you get in the word, when you spend time with the Holy ghost, I want you to expect great revelation, great revelation and knowledge, increase, 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 like just like, I, I remember somebody said it was kind of like when you pull back a rubber band and then you let it go and it just goes, you know, that wasn't in my notes, but I had written down Daniel 12, four over there. So that was free. Okay. So we're talking about Esther, Esther, summer stories, summer stories. I love the book of Esther. I taught on the book of Esther. Oh, probably um, I guess it was right after we got married. So it was around 11 years ago. And um, just, it, it is such an amazing book. But the thing about Esther, what happened to Esther is she finally took ownership of who she was and it changed everything. <laughs> and, I, and, and I know that's what God is telling us. When you finally take ownership of who you are, I mean like own it who you are, it's going to change everything. Amen. The difference is like from being like totally powerless, you know, like living outside of of the kingdom and, you know, having no power to actually, the word says that we will reign in life as what? Kings. (laughs) You know, how do we miss that scripture? That says that we will reign in life as kings. And we act like we have no power. We act powerless. And we have the kingdom of God on the inside of us. It's like, oh my goodness. The devil just barely has to lie to us. And we just kind of take it. And we like, okay, yeah, you're right. (laughs) So, okay. So Esther finally took ownership of who she was. And it changed everything. I've been given abundant grace. You've been given abundant grace. We've been learning about the righteousness of God in Christ and we reign in life. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Woo! Hallelujah. (laughs) And we've been given this light on the inside of us. Jesus, the word, the light. And we're called to be a light in the darkness. Are we living in a dark time or is it just me? Okay, we're called to be the prophetic voice of God declaring his word to fulfill his will on the earth. Hmm. 
Amen. God's word is already settled in heaven, but it will be established on this earth. How? By our mouths. By us. By us. So when Esther took ownership of who she was, God was able to do a miracle through her. Some of you all know the story. Hopefully everybody does. We're going to go through it. And I want you to know that when we know who we are and operate in the fullness of who we are, the impossible thing that we face becomes possible. Amen. And here's the thing. We know the word that says too much, to whom much is given, much is required. I remember hearing that and it was always on the negative stand. So it's kind of like, you should know better because to whom much is given, much is required. And we kind of like don't want to listen to that, but we actually are empowered. I mean, we have an ability. We have the word. We are equipped with everything that we have need of, and we don't pick it up because we don't want the responsibility. It's like God's given us everything we have need of. And it's like, we don't pick it up. We don't put it on like, there it is. Oh, it looks really good right there. God's given us everything we have need of. We can, you know, we can defeat the enemy because look, I've got the power. It's right there. Amen. That power is right there. And we'll put it on the shelf and leave it there and right. eventually dust it off and go, look, I've got that power. It's right here. Amen. I still have it. Amen. Probably still fits me, but we don't, we have to put it on. That's it. We have to put it on. Okay. I have lots of notes. We have nowhere else to go. Um, Ephesians three sixteen through 19. This is what God wants. For us to be a body, a church that is wholly filled and flooded with himself. Okay? Wholly filled with himself. We know that. I've got so many notes, I'm not going to read all the scriptures. Esther... I was walking and praying the other, the other day, and I've been listening to Rick Renner. <laughs> so just getting so excited. And he was talking about, we were, we were in Revelation 2, and he was talking about um, the church in Pergamum. And he was just, I, I was just listening to several of his messages, and, and it, it hit me. I came home, and, and I'd been praying about, I knew I was going to talk on Esther. And the Lord said to me, And I came home and I told Justin, I said, it's confirmed. I'm talking about Esther. I said, God just showed me that Esther is the reflection of us, the church, in the last days. I'm like, and he's like, wow, that's cool. Okay. And what else did he say? I was like, that's it. That's that's all I got. (laughs) Esther is is a reflection of us, the church. Okay. So we're going to get into Esther. Now, it's funny because the book of Esther is actually the scroll. It's called the scroll or Megillah is the word of Esther. And Esther means lehastil, which is something hidden or concealed. Um, So it means it's a mystery revealed, right? Because she concealed who she was. Um, I love mysteries. Now, I believe it's not just about the victory of what happened in the book of Esther where the Jews were saved, but it's, it's foreshadowing for today. All right. And, and stay with me. I'm going to tell you all this and then we're going to get into the meat of it. And then we're going to repeat again what I, what we learned. If we will be who God has equipped and called us to be, because see the enemy in the book of Esther was Naaman and whatever you're facing, if you will be who God has equipped you and called you to be, no Naaman from hell will defeat you. Okay, let's just get that out where it seems. And here's the other thing about the book of Esther. It's it's one of the only books that the Hebrew name of God is not in there. 
It's not mentioned. It's, it's like it's a really nice story. But you can see God's hand in it. Okay. So it seems that God is not in control or even present. But you're going to discover. How many of y'all know? If you seek God, if you look for him, you will find him. Okay. And you will see that where it looked like he was never at. When you look back, you'll see he was there the whole time. I love that. I love that's I love that about being as old as I am now because I can now look back and go, "Oh my gosh, God, you had it the whole time. The whole time you were there." You were there all the time. I have to tell you this story. There was this one man who, a Jewish man, he was in a bookstore, and he happened to bump into one of Joyce Meyer's um, display of books, and it was the one about the mind, the battlefield of the mind. And he knocked it over, and it was a Jewish man, and he picked it up, and he he looked at it, and he he just opened it and started reading a little bit out, and he's like, okay, you know? And so he just kept reading it, kept reading, so he bought it, secretly bought it, and read it. And read it and found Jesus in it. Gave his life to Jesus, but didn't tell his wife (laughs) for almost a year. Did not tell his wife. And he would read the Bible and he he got a Bible and he was just, he found Christ, the Messiah. And he just changed. And one night he's laying there and and his wife says, something's up and you're going to tell me. And so he told her. He told her, well, then she got saved. And she says, we got to get the kids in here. So the kids got in there and the kids got saved. But they had a grandma who was in, grandma who was in a nursing home. And she was Jewish. Like, like Jewish. Hardcore. And um, grandma was getting older and she was dying. And the family knew she was dying. And he, and, and he thought, I got to go tell her. I got to go tell her. I got to go tell her. And um, what he didn't know was that grandma had a nurse who had been reading her the Bible. And so this one day he goes, he goes in and, and he's, he's wanting to talk to grandma. And grandma's like, no, I got to tell you something. And he's like, no, I got to tell you something. And he, she started to say, she, she opened up the word of God and she said, he's been there all along. I found him and he's been there all along. You know, the Bible talks about the mystery. Have you ever read? There's, I mean, I can go to all the scriptures because I looked them all up. There's mystery. It talks about the mysteries, the mysteries. And why is that in there? Why does it say the mysteries? It was the mysteries of Jesus because he wants to be sought out. He wants us to seek him because if you seek him with everything inside of you, you will find him. Amen. You will find him. So the book of Esther, they, I'm already at the end and we haven't even started. <laughs> So, um, I read something in Revelations 2.17. I talked about the hidden manna. Let's just look at that real quick. Revelation 2.17. I love mysteries. I love looking for things. Because when you look for something, you find something you didn't know you were looking for. You know? Which is 
the most amazing thing because my husband is restoration for my life. He is the husband I never thought I always needed. And I didn't look for him, but I, but I sought God and that's what I got. And that, isn't that amazing? God's good. Um, Revelation 2, 17, it says, he who is able to hear. And how many times is that in the Bible? If you have ears, hear, okay? He, if you have ears, you need to hear, okay? He who is able to hear, let him hear and take heed to what the Spirit says to the assemblies, to the churches, to him who overcomes and conquers. Who's that? Me. Say, that's me. It says, I will give to eat of the manna that is hidden. Well, I read that and I never, I don't like to not understand and figure out something. What is the hidden manna? What is the hidden manna? What do y'all think the hidden manna is? Well, we knew that whenever I was talking about a mystery or something that was hidden, it was Jesus, Jesus, Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. It says that Jesus looked in the word for how many years? 33 years. And what did he find? Himself! The mystery. He found himself. So, and and what does he call himself? He says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. So that hidden manna is him. So anyway, so I got, I got so excited as I was studying Esther. Cause I'm like, this is good. This is really good because I'm going to figure out what is hidden. What is, what is it that you want me to know? You know, do you remember this, the story? We, we say there's the three wise men. But actually, nobody knows how many there were. But it was they were the wise men. They were called the wise men. Why? Because they were astrologers, right? They looked up in into the sky. They studied the stars. But it, it says that they were looking. They were searching um, for for God, for the Messiah. They'd heard something. And how did how did how did God show up to them in the form of a star? So I love that. When you look for him and wherever you're looking, you're going to find him. If you are a geologist, you are going to find Jesus where? In those rocks. He's going to be the rock. I mean, if you, if you are a doctor, if you are a scientist, you will look at the body and you will go, oh my goodness, God is all over this all over this. It's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of your attitude. If you look for him, he says you will find him wherever you're looking, wherever you're looking. I, I, I have a son. I still have a son. Um, he was running from God for the longest time. And I used to pray, God, show yourself, just show up, just show up. I don't, wherever he's looking, show up. And it was the funniest thing, but he would say, I just keep seeing God everywhere I look. He told me one day, he's like, I was just, you know, I'm driving and I look and, and they're spray painted on, on some wall. God loves you. I'm here. He's here. He never leaves you. And he's like, how'd that happen? He'd like be walking and all of a sudden there's chalk, something somebody wrote you know, God is real and he loves you. And he's like, everywhere I looked, it was like, you know, he'll show up. I promise he will. So let's look at the book of Esther. Um, are we there? So it says in the days of Ahasuerus or whatever, I don't know how to say his name, Xerxes, um, He reigned from India to Ethiopia. And in those days, this king, 
he he was kind of a show off. Um, plus, he was also a drunk. But he showed, it's in verse 4, it says that he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and splendor. He had he threw a huge party and he invited everyone to the party. And he had a pretty good-looking wife. And so he says to his wife, you need to come to the party and have a crown on. And pretty much, I believe that was all she was supposed to wear. And she said, no way, no how. I'm not doing it. And so in verse 12, her name was Queen Vashti, and she refused to come to the king's command. And um, the king, verse 13, it says, Then the king spoke to the wise men who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure toward all things that were familiar. He, he had to check it out with the wise guys in his palace, right? And so they're like, you can't let her do that to you. If you let her do that to you, then, I mean, what's going to happen to all the men in the kingdom? They're going to think, you know, all the wives are going to think that they don't have to obey their husbands. So, um, so what happened is they said, she's got to go. And so she left. They, they were divorced and she left and they said, well, you know what? There's so many um, beautiful virgins in the kingdom. Let's just have a beauty pageant. Let's call all the beautiful ladies to come. And you know, he's like going, yeah, okay, that sounds great. So here we go. So verse 20. So when the King's decree was made and proclaimed throughout the kingdom, um, it says that every man would rule over his house and speak there in the language of his own people. And everyone would have to learn his language and everyone would have to do what he said. So we're in chapter two, and it says that um, there was a man named Mordecai. I'm on verse five, chapter two, verse five. Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shemai, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. So he's a Jewish man. Got it? We're there. So it says, verse six, who had been carried away from Jerusalem, and he ended up here in this kingdom in King Xerxes. And it says in verse seven, listen to this. He had brought up Hadassah, which was Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. So Esther is a orphan and Mordecai has now brought her up and she was beautiful and lovely. And when her father and mother died, he took her in as his own daughter. So verse eight, when the king commanded this decree, It says in Shushan, the capital under the custody of Haggai, Esther was taken to the king's house into custody of the keeper of the women. Now, verse 9, it says, And the maiden, this maiden, Esther, pleased Haggai and obtained his favor. All right? So already she has gotten in, she's gotten in there and she's already has favor. You got it? And it says, and he speedily gave her the things for her purification and her portion of food and the seven chosen maids to be given her from the king's palace. And he removed her and the maids to the best apartment in the harem. Does that sound like favor to you? Something speedily happened. She got everything that she needed for purification. She got all of the food. She got seven people to tend to her. And then she got the best place. And all she did was show up. And you know, when I read this, I'm like, "Uh, why? What's up with Esther? Okay, listen. 
verse 10. Esther had not made known her nationality or her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her not to do so. So, Mordecai raised her. She saw Mordecai as her father. And Mordecai has given her direction, and she has what? Obeyed. 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 She obeyed. This is why she had favor. This is why she had favor. This is the first thing we got to get tonight. If you can get this, if you're not going to get anything else, get this. Get this. Esther had favor from the moment she stepped onto that property because she obeyed. She obeyed Mordecai, the man who was, who raised her and taught her Jewish customs, I would imagine. I mean, about God, I'm sure, but he's not mentioned. Okay. So this is so good. You guys listen. And it says, and Mordecai, who was an attendant in the King's court, walked every day before the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what would become of her. Isn't that cool? I love that. I used to, I would think about that and I thought, oh my goodness, he loved her. He loved her, even though she wasn't even his own. He would go and make sure she was okay. But you know what? He knew that as long as she obeyed him, that she would be okay. All right. So now it says they, they were perfumed and oiled for 12 months. Verse 12. 12 months. That is a spa treatment. I mean, I'm like going, that's pretty nice. It says beauty treatments, six months with oil and myrrh and six months with sweet spices and perfumes and the things for the, for purifying of the women. And, and it says in verse 13, then in this way, the maidens would come to the king whenever she desired, um, was given her to take with her. And it says in the evening she went and the next day she returned into the second harem in the custody of these people that are taking care of her. And it says she came to the king no more unless the king delighted in her and she was called for by name. Look at verse 15. Now when the turn for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter, it says it again, had come to go in. With the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's attendant, the keeper of the women, suggested. And Esther won favor in the sight of all who saw her. I love that. Now, I want you all to think about this. Before we get any further, I was, as I was praying and, and I was preparing, I heard the Lord say, Real faith is a relationship with the Holy Spirit, okay? We can't have real faith unless we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is what teaches us the word of God. And reveals, yes, he reveals things to come. He reveals, he makes sense of what the word is. And so as I was praying this is what came into my spirit. 
as we get into the book of Esther, my, my prayer was, Lord, remove anything in my heart, any, and I, and I heard this, a calloused place, a hardened place. And then I immediately thought of Ezekiel thirty six twenty six because it says, remove my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. That's my prayer. The word says I can have what I say, and this is what I'm saying. I don't want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to receive from him. And I can't receive from him unless if I have a hardened place in my heart. Okay? So I want us to say, remove the callous place from my heart. Say it. Remove the callous place from my heart. Okay? Because I need ears to hear. Because there is something that I'm going to learn tonight that I didn't know before. All right. Can we agree to that? If it's a mystery, if there's something to be found, it's because you didn't have it before and you hadn't seen it before. Right. Okay. So we need a responsive heart. When I think of a heart of stone, I think of like, if you have a callus, um, and you go to, to, poke it with a needle or something, you you can't feel it. You have to kind of go deep into the callus before it actually reaches a nerve and you're like, ah, okay. So this scripture that says, remove my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh, that means I want to be attentive. I want to hear everything you have to say. I want to be responsive. Like how much do I have to poke before I get you to respond, right? Okay. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, no eye has seen and no ear has heard what he has and keeps ready. What, what he's saying is you don't have understanding yet. Every time we see that, that's what that means. He says, no eye has seen and no ear has heard what he has. He has and he keeps ready. There's so much in here. How many of y'all know this is inexhaustible? I mean, we just can't. So he has something for us and he keeps it ready. And he says, but yet you still don't have understanding of it. Um, I want understanding of it. Faith brings what God's already done. Okay. And God's already done something tonight and we're going to get it tonight. Amen. Yes. Okay. So I want you to think about this. He's talking about, um, in verse 15, how Esther won favor in the sight of all who saw her. And I want us to, to understand that it was because of her obedience that she won favor. Um, in, let's go back over here to Revelation. Help me, Father. Get all this out in the order that you want me to get it out. Lord, in Jesus' name. I want you all to look at Revelations 2, 1, and it says, to the angel, do you all see that? It says, to the angel, Revelation 2, verse 1, it says, to the angel, messenger of the assembly, church in Ephesus. Now, this is, this is talking about the church in Pergamum, and it wasn't far from Ephesus. In fact, it was just, I, I want to say it was like 45 miles from Ephesus. And this church started and Paul had sent people 
to this church. He wanted to, to, to um, send people, send teams maybe, over to Pergamum to get this church started and to get them to where they were supposed to be at. But I want you all to look at that, that word angel because um, I was listening to Rick Renner and I was telling Justin, I said, this was so interesting to me because that word angel doesn't actually mean like a heavenly angel. It actually means a messenger and it means a pastor. It means a pastor. When God want, wants to speak something to the church, he will get it to the pastor first. Isn't that interesting? And then he will chew on it digest it, figure it out, and then he delivers it to the people. And it says also in verse 12, it says, and then to the angel messenger of the assembly church in Pergamum, he's telling him what to do. So if there's even correction to go to the church, God is going to speak to the pastor. He has put people in place. How many of y'all know he puts pastors in place? He puts people in authority over us. There is a, that is protection, you guys. That is protection to have people, leaders put in place so that we can go under them and listen to them. And as I was thinking about Esther, I thought, you know what? That's exactly what Mordecai was to her as she was growing up. He was her pastor. So he, and, and you're going to see as we go on into the story, how because she put herself under authority. She had favor. God did a miracle. Let's keep reading. Verse 20 of Esther 2, it says, Now Esther had not yet revealed her nationality or her people, for she obeyed Mordecai's command. (laughs) Again, it says it. To fear God and execute his commands. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Just as when she was being brought up by him. Isn't that good? That is so good. That is like, that just turned on a light inside of me. And I'm like, okay, there it is right there. And in those days, while Mordecai sat at the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, listen to what happens. Big, big Than and Teresh of those who guarded the door were angry and sought to lay hands on King, how do you say that? King Ahasuerus. King, the king. Whatever his name was. So Mordecai is sitting at the gate. While he's sitting there, he hears two other guys that are angry at the king, and they're going to, they're going to take him out. Got it? Okay. How many of y'all know nothing is by chance? As Christians, nothing's coincidence. And, and it's so funny because this book is about that too. Listen to this. Okay. And so, um, and this was known to Mordecai. And so he told it to Queen Esther. And Esther told the king in Mordecai's name. And when it was investigated and found to be true, both men were hanged on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of Chronicles in the king's presence. Got it? Yeah. Don't forget that. Chapter 3. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, um, the Agatite, who advanced, and advanced him and put him above. So now we've got Haman. I want y'all to know where this is taking place is actually Iran today, where this was taking place, okay? And so Haman has been, uh, he's been promoted. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and they were to reverence Haman for the king had so commanded 
concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or do reverence. And the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? Look at verse four. Now, when they spoke to him day after day and he paid no attention to them, they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's conducts would stand for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down to him and reverence, he grew very angry, but he scorned laying hands only on to Mordecai. He had a plan. So since they had told him Mordecai's nationality, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews and the people of Mordecai throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus or whatever. So Haman, look what he does. He's trying to figure out when is the best time to pull off this plan? And so it says that he throws lots, which um, is cause per, which is lots to be cast before him, which is really funny because he was trying to find a lucky day for his venture. And so month after month until the 12th, he found the 12th month of Adar to be that, which is really interesting because there as Christians, we don't believe in luck. We don't throw lots and we don't, we don't have to do that. Right. But it, okay. So he figure figures out a day. And so he goes to the Kings and he says, let it be decreed that, um, he, he makes a decree and he, about all this money, it's going to be paid and these people are going to be destroyed. And so he becomes the Jews enemy, right? So it says in verse 12, it says the first month and all that Haman had commanded was written in the king's chief and the governors. And it was sent out everywhere because Haman had the king's signet ring and whatever he said went right. So he put his signet ring. And so it was as if the king did it, which is really interesting because at the beginning, when I first started, I told y'all that God's word says that we reign in life as what? Kings. We, our words, we can decree a thing. And the word says, it says in Job 20, 22, it says, if you decree a thing, it shall be established and manifest. It will manifest. So if we know who we are, who actually is wearing the king's signet ring? We are. We are. Do you see all the parallels? Are you seeing the parallels? So it's like Esther's not just, just this really fun story. And it is a fun story, but it, it's... Let's keep going. Okay, so this decree goes out and the letters are sent and they're saying they're going to destroy all the Jews, both young and old, little, little children and women on this day, the 13th. It's one day, the 13th day of the 12th month. And this is the first month that this is all happening. Okay, so a copy is sent out. Now, listen, let me get to this. Here we are. Listen to this. This verse 15. The special messengers went out in haste by order of the king and the decree was given out in Shushan, Shushan the capital and the king and Haman sat down to drink but the city of Shushan was perplexed. Say perplexed. The city of Shushan was perplexed at the strange and alarming decree. That word Perplexed means people were troubled, confused, uncertain, and bothered. This is what I heard the Holy Spirit say. There are things going on today that should bother you that don't. And things that do bother you that shouldn't. 
And he said, get my heart on every matter. Let what bothers me bother you to the point of action at my direction through the person, the pastor that I've put over you. See, the people were perplexed, but it ends with a period. That was it. They were perplexed. They were bothered. Oh, well. And then they went on with their day. And this is a message to us, the church today. We need to let things bother us that bother God. Okay? Because as we, as we get on with the story, what happens is Mordecai sends Sends, he hears of this and it says that he rips his clothes. Now understand they wore lots of layers. So it's not like he ripped them and he down to the flesh, but he rips his clothes and he puts ashes on his head. And he is just like, and it's a sign of lament. It's a sign of sorrow. It's a sign of, oh my goodness. You know, like we have, we're doomed. That's it. But he gets, he sends word to Esther and she's not sure whether she's going to say anything because he says, you got to do something. You're there. You're there. You have to do something. And here's the thing is that when things don't directly affect us, it doesn't necessarily bother us enough to do anything about, you know what I mean? And, and here's the thing is that a lot of Christians, we don't like to be bothered with stuff that's going on in the world because it's like, oh my gosh, they're just like in darkness and I'm just going to leave my light over here. But you know what? You're not an effective light unless you're in the dark. How great are we if we just stick our lights together and we just become a bigger light in the light? we're a light in the light. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No, that's not. It's not. We're not glorifying God. We are not. We are equipped. We have all the power. We have all the authority. We have everything that we have, that we need to affect what? The darkness, the darkness, what's happening over there. That's not really affecting you, but is affecting God's heart. Heart. It's affecting God's heart. And how many times does he have to go to the pastor and say, church, let's send out a team. Let's go over here. Let's go and do that. And everyone's like, well, it's raining. I'm not going. I mean, I'm going to have to get up and get dressed to go do that. Or I'm going to have to get my passport. Oh, I don't want to get my passport. It's too much work. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to say anything because I might offend someone. I might make them mad. So we're silent. We're like Esther. I am getting beauty treatments here. You don't understand. (laughs) The Botox is working and I look great. I don't want to mess it up, you know, because I'm fabulous. You know, and, and Mordecai says to her, and you know, when I read this, it, I, I, I studied it out because I'm like, what is he trying to say to her when he says to her, um, 
He says, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance shall arise for the Jews from somewhere else. Okay. Okay. I get that. If it's not you, fine. You're not going to obey. We'll find somebody else. But listen to this. It says, but you and your father's house will perish. And I thought, what is, why is he saying that to her? Is that really going to get her to move? But what he was saying is, you didn't get there on your own. You see God's hand in there? God placed you because it was like, it was amazing how you got there. What do you think? I mean, you know, you think you got there on your own? No, it was God. God had his hand on you. You and your father's house will perish. You will perish because God who put you there, he's going to get you right back out. You know, so we have a responsibility. We are the church. We are the church. He's given us Jesus. He's given us his blood. He's given us his power. He's given us eternity. He's given us his word. He's given us everything. And so we have a responsibility and we're like, oh, I like all this stuff I have. But it's not just for you. It's to do something with. We have a voice. We're supposed to use it. We have a light. We're supposed to shine in the darkness with it. Okay. And I know we all know the part, the next part that says, and who knows, but that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this and for this very occasion. I mean, that has been oversaid and oversaid and oversaid to the point that we don't even hear it anymore. So then Esther told them to give the answer to Mordecai. She said, go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me and neither eat nor drink. For three days, night or day, I also and my maids will fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. To fast means to be anointed for the task. Equipped with courage for what's up ahead. And as the church, we really need to be doing more fasting than we're doing. We have a task. We have a task at hand. That we're going to need courage for. <laughs> and courage just means doing what you were told to do when you don't want to do it. Which is all the time. You know. We need courage for everything. You know. So if, if I know I need courage, then I need to live a fasted life. That means I put my body under submission. I tell my body what it's going to do and what it's not going to do. That means I stand in the authority that I have. Because as I fast, what happens is things get clearer here for me. So Esther did good. That was good. Way to go, Esther. Um, so she asked them to fast, to get ready for what was up ahead. Now, um, keeping silent, fear of failures and fear of losing a good thing. I love that she says, if I die, I die. I mean, if I keep silent, I die. If I say something, I die. (laughs) Because what happens is, if you showed up in the king's, um, where he was, not in the palace, but in the room where he was, and he didn't 
put his his scepter out to you and you were to speak and come, you would be put to death. Okay? So, um, I love that Jesus talks about compassion and in it, where it talks about he had compassion on all of the people and he healed them all. Compassion compels action. I want you all to write that down. Compassion compels action. He's not calling us to be indifferent because that's the opposite of compassion. Indifferent is not caring. Indifferent is um, meh. Have you all ever heard of that word? Meh. Did you all watch the emoji movie? (laughs) There was a famous emoji and he was meh. M-E-H, which pretty much means, eh, whatever. And we're not called to be, meh. We're called to have compassion, to be compelled to do something, all right? So um, I read this, I, as I was looking at Esther, I read, I read this in, uh, from Solomon. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Therefore, her silence or indifference is like withholding good from, okay, let me just read it how it says. Therefore, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. This hurts my heart. This really hurts my heart. When you see something that you know that you have the power to do or you have the ability to do it and you don't do it, that's what, that's what, that's what it was like for Esther, you know, um, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I want you to know that. And we are the righteous. And so we can pray, we can do a lot of things. Um, so the hand of God is all over Esther. And it says, it says in, in, um, chapter five, verse one, I love this. She put on her Royal robes, um, who she was, who she had become. She puts on her royal robes and she stands in the royal or inner court of the king's palace opposite his throne room. And the king is sitting on the throne facing the main entrance of the palace. And it says that the king saw Esther. Do you think that's a coincidence that he saw her? No. The king saw Esther and the queen standing in the court and she obtained favor in his sight and he held out to her the golden scepter and that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the tip. Oh my gosh, it's not 754. Okay, so... (laughs) Stop! So the... Esther goes in and she says, let the king and Haman come this day to dinner and that she's going to prepare. So they go to the dinner and he says, whatever you want, whatever you want. I love that. Whatever you want, it'll be done. Whatever you want, even half the kingdom is yours. And so I love that. And Esther says, she says, well, my petition is this. She says, tomorrow. She says, tomorrow. Let's, let, let's do this again. Come back tomorrow. And Haman went away that day and he was joyful and he was just so excited thinking he's got this, he's got it. And he calls all his people in and he's telling them, look, we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're going to do this. And Queen Esther, it says, um, so what happens is he 
the, the, he gets together with his friends and they're like, you got to get rid of Mordecai. Mordecai is just like, you know, he is no good. You got to do something now. You got to do something now. God is aware of time. Do y'all know that? God knows time. Because listen to this. So they go and they build this gallows that's made 50, it's 70 feet high. And in the morning, he says, I'm going to go talk to the king. And Mordecai is going to be hanged on it. And and then I'm going to go to dinner. And this is all going to be so good. And listen to chapter 6, verse 1. It says, on that night that the gallows were made for Mordecai. It says the king could not sleep. Is that per chance? No. No. It says the king could not sleep. And guess what he ordered? (laughs) The book of memorable deeds. Go bring me the chronicles. And he read them. They were read to him. And so all of a sudden he starts to read about um, this Mordecai who saved his life from those two guys who were mad at him and were going to take him out. And so the king says, he calls his men in and he's like, what did we ever do for Mordecai? He saved my life. What did we do for him? And they're like, nothing, nothing was done for him. And so he says, you know what? Go get Haman. And so Haman comes in. And so he's like in the king's palace and, and he tells him, what would you do for, you know, like this guy who I want to honor? Cause he's like amazing. What would you do for him? And so Haman's thinking, he's talking about me. And so he's like, uh, well, this is what I would do. I would take the clothes that you've been wearing and give it to him. And I would take the horses that you ride and give it to him. And I would parade him, you know, because he's thinking it's, he's talking about me because it's me, right? Haman's going, it's all about me. So, um, so he says, then the king said to Haman, verse 10, make haste. And take the apparel and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai, the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. And leave out nothing that you have spoken. Go do it. It's like, dun, dun, dun. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, what? So Haman took the the apparel and the horse, and he did. He conducted to Mordecai on horseback and did all that. But Haman hastened to his house, mourning and having his head covered. And he's like, oh my gosh, we... It, it just gets worse for him. So obviously what happens, they get to the, the dinner and in verse seven, Queen Esther, he says, she says to the king, if I have found favor in your sight, she says, if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people. She identifies who she is. And she says, for we are sold. I and my people to be destroyed, slain and wiped out of existence. I'm talking, they were going to be annihilated. Annihilated. How many of y'all know that we still have an enemy who wants to get rid of us, the church? And of course, the king says, King Ahasuerus says to Queen Esther, who is he and where is he? And who dares presume in his heart to do this? And Esther says, an adversary and an enemy, even this wicked Haman. And then Haman's afraid. And the king stands up and he goes out into the garden and Haman stands up to make requests for his life with King Esther. And so the king comes in and sees that he's like, you know, talking to to Esther and he's like, you would even attack her even here, take him out and hang him. And so they did. They hung him. And here's the thing, you guys, I want to talk to you about the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God, um, 
is first peaceable is what the word says. And the Bible says that um, the wisdom of God is the fear of the Lord. What does the fear of the Lord actually mean? It means to reverence the Lord, reverence everything that he's put in here, reverence and to obey. Okay. And now we know that Esther obeyed Mordecai. She put herself in submission under authority of him. Um, and that's how you get wisdom. And you know what? Listen to this, you guys. There, because the decree had already been made, the king said, I can't do anything about it. But because they were operating under the fear of the Lord, so to speak, they were operating under reverence. They were operating under um, obedience. The idea comes, well, let's just make another decree. We, when you find yourself in a place where it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I know what it looks like. It looks like God's not here. Because how many of y'all know we're in those situations constantly? It's like, because if you're not looking for him, you're not going to find him. Because you're just looking at the situation. But if you want the wisdom of God, I know the word says to ask for it. But get under submission, find godly counsel, go to the last thing that you heard your pastor say, because God speaks through him for us, you know, and he's been talking about what? We're the righteousness of God in Christ. We're righteous. We have authority. We have authority and wisdom will come. You have to speak what we already know. I mean, if you fear the Lord, are you going to call him a liar? No, if you fear and reverence the Lord and you're looking for wisdom, what are you going to say? What he says, (laughs) okay? And I love that. The wisdom came and they said, well, we'll, let's just make a decree um, that on that day that we can gather the Jews and we can fight them, come against them. And that's what they did. And it says that Mordecai was put Mordecai was put into this high place. He was given Haman's kind of place or status, and he was given the signet ring. And Esther, they got Haman's home on the on the palace grounds. So, and so what happens is the whole kingdom hears about, and I'm talking about the kingdom plus all the other places surrounding hear about this because the decree went out. That now the Jews are going to fight against whoever comes against them to destroy them and annihilate them. So you know what happens? People hear about this and they say, I want to be a Jew. So they become Jews. It's like almost everyone in the kingdom is like, I want to be a Jew. I want to be a Jew. Oh my gosh. And they start reverencing and fearing Mordecai. They're like, oh my gosh, he's got this, this, this guy's got it. This is good. I want to be on his side. You know what? When you shine your light, when you speak what God says, there's a power that's attached to the word that you don't, I mean, as much as you want to slap the truth into somebody, you're not going to have to, you're just going to have to speak it. Okay. You're just going to have to speak it. Just say the word, just obey, do what he tells you to do. Don't be afraid of what they're going to say or what they're not going to say. Just speak it. Just speak what he said. And let God do the rest. Because God did the rest. 
Did you see how God did the rest? God did the rest. God totally did the rest. People started changing. They're like, I want to be a Jew. I want to be a Jew. I want to be, I want to fight. I want to be a Jew. And so they did. And it said that in Shushan, they killed like 500 people. And then it was really interesting because Esther even comes to the king and she's like, can we just like, um, since the day is done and we still have people to kill, can we like duplicate this decree and say like, let's pretend like today is also tomorrow and let's do it again tomorrow. And the king goes, okay. So they did it again the next day. That is unheard of. So the impossible, I mean, totally impossible. I love that. That she goes, can we just like do yesterday, like today and pretend like yesterday is today. And there was, and it doesn't even say, and it says that the king came to her after the day was done and they'd killed only 500 people in that city. Cause they'd actually killed like 750,000 in the whole region, but in that city that only killed like 500. And so the king comes to her and goes, you look like you're troubled. What can I do for you? What do you need? Don't you love it? It's like, you don't even have to think of it. God's already thought of it and God's going to take care of it. Can I say that again? There are things that you haven't even thought of to take care of your problem that God's already got it. And he's taking care of it. You cannot think of everything of how to fix it. You can't, you just can't, you just can't. So yeah, the king goes, looks like you need something. Tell me what you need. And she said it. What do you think about this? Okay, let's do it. And it was done. And here's the thing that the Jewish people still celebrate this story today. And there's, there's a thing about duplications in this. I, I, I put little dots everywhere. There was duplications and there's a bajillion of them. Like, you know, there were two feasts and there was, there was just duplications. And what that means in the Bible is like what was will be again. It's like a, a foreshadowing or a type in shadow. So it's, it's speaking to us today is what it's saying. You know, um, Jesus is coming back basically. And we got to get ready. I mean, we're going to hear that story over and over. We got to be who we said we're going to be. And you know what? Also, when they, when they actually celebrate this festival, they tell the story of Esther at the beginning of the festival. And I don't know how long it lasts. It was supposed to last two days. But they say it at the beginning and then they say it again at the end. Do they know why? No, but they do it. Isn't that funny? They do it twice. Well, and then at the very end, they ended up finding two days because it was supposed to be the 13th day of the 12th month. Well, it ended up being the 13th day and the 14th day. And, and I mean, this story is being told today. Isn't it amazing? But we've, I I love what God is saying to, to us. He's saying, God wants us to live out his fullness in us through a personal experience of his love and who he is. Okay. He wants us to know who we are and what he's called us and purposed for us. When you honor and obey him through those he's put in authority over you, you will be positioned to fulfill your purpose with power. Okay. Cause you don't want to try to fulfill your purpose without it. God wants to be sought. Seek me. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal Jesus and you will find me. He says, trust me, keep your focus on me. I will fill your mouth. I will lead 
your steps. I'll cause things to happen. You'll see me if you look for me when you trust me with all your heart. He has to be your strength, your bread of life. He has picked us and chosen us for this time. First Peter 1, 2 says that we are chosen and consecrated. We are sanctified and made holy. Ephesians 1, 4 says he chose us and picked us out for himself before the foundations of the world. Before the foundations of the world, you were with him. We were with him. And then we're born. (laughs) And we forget that we had been with him before. You know, I want us to look at just two more scriptures. Titus 2. 14. Titus 2, 14. It says, well, verse 13 says, our great God and savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one who gave himself on our behalf that he might redeem us, purchase our freedom from all iniquity and purify for himself a people. Say, I'm a people. people. He's talking about me to be peculiar. What's that word? Peculiar. His own. People who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. That's the peculiar people who is excited about doing what he's called us to do. Hallelujah. Ah, Woo. Um, Ezekiel 37, 23. Let's go there. Ezekiel 37, 23. It says, they shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols and their detestable things or with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all their dwelling places and from all their backslidings in which they have sinned. And I will cleanse them so they shall be my people and I will be their God. He wants us in that. He calls it his secret place. Isn't that right? His presence, who abides in the secret place. That's where he wants us, in his secret place. Where we don't forget who we are, who we are in him. Faith, faith, real faith, is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. A close relationship. When, you, when we say secrets, I don't know, when, whenever you heard a secret, it was usually from your best friend. Right? It was with your best friend that told you the secrets. And he's like, I've got things to reveal to you. I want to show you so many things, but I need you to stay in that secret place. Amen. Amen. Stay in that secret place. Hallelujah. Everybody stand, please. Oh, Father, I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you for the truths that you have spoken to us. I thank you, Lord, that we have hearts of flesh and we're responsive. And I believe our response tonight is, for some of us, it's repentance. Because we haven't sought you. Because we have been indifferent. Because we haven't let the things that bother you bother us. Because we've chosen not to take up the things that you have placed and given us through Jesus, which is power and authority and the blood And the word, we've chosen to be comfortable rather than compassionate because compassion compels to action. So, Lord, we repent. We repent as your church, as your body. We repent. Draw us. Draw us near into the secret place. 
draw us close. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us the same. I thank you for Miracle Wednesday nights. And the miracle is me, that I'm changed, that I didn't come in the same. That's the miracle. That's the miracle is that I heard from you and I refuse to stay the same. We want to be the church that you've called us to be in these last days. Forgive us where we've not submitted to the authority that you've placed over us. When we've tried to figure it out on our own. Not in wisdom. Because it was our own thinking. Oh Lord, we repent. And we go a different way tonight. I want a closer relationship with you, Holy Spirit. A daily relationship with you. I want to hear your voice daily and take heed obey oh father i thank you for your word i thank you you've given us a voice we will not be silent we will speak when you tell us to speak we will be a light we will not hide it we'll be a light in the darkness i pray this in jesus name amen amen amen